Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Work For It podcast on the Makery Network. I'm Brian House. And I'm Ben Butler. And together we represent the two most important components of the maker world. I work the steel. And I work the wood. The show's primary focus is business in the workshop. And then we reach out to you on social media with a question every week. We read your answers and then discuss them on the show. Follow our show on any major podcast platform and on Instagram at workforit.podcast. Or you can support us for as little as $1 a month on patreon.com forward slash workforit. Let's get on with the show. Let's do it. You're listening to the Work For It podcast. I am Brian House. And it's Thursday, Thirsty Thursday, and I'm joined in the studio by Ben Jammin Butler and Brian Cone of B Cone Knives. Say what's up, gentlemen. Hey, what? hey, how's it going? What's going on? What's the good word? I'm going to jump right in here. I'm going to jump right in. And uh, I've far. got, I, I'm, you wait and watch, <laughs> Ben, because this is what's going to happen here. We are going we are going to discuss lots of different topics, but first and foremost on on the list of things to talk about is um, we appreciate everybody who supports the channel through Patreon and also supports the other work that we do on all of our other social media accounts. I do need to call Brian Cohn out on something. First and foremost, Brian. Number one, you stole my name, then you spelled it wrong. And then number two, (laughs) you copied you copied my shop tour on TikTok and then crushed Listen, it. Listen, man, I and thought I was trying to just add to the conversation. I wasn't copying nothing. I was taking <laughs> inspiration from the great Brian House. <laughs> that was cool. Let me though. tell, let me you, tell you something. Uh, I thought it was funny because... Yeah, your shop is a lot smaller than mine, so it's like it was kind of like comedic. <laughs> but I did really appreciate the um, like you highlighting and showing and labeling, you know, a couple yeah. of the things mm-hmm. that you have going on in your workshop because it was. I'm like, damn, that's a good idea. I should have done that, but 
Yeah. yeah, it's something yeah. you can do on TikTok when you uh, create a little yeah. video like that. You can put those little voiceovers. So I, yeah, that I was gotta, slick. I gotta say, I I go off one week to get my asshole inspected, and now you guys are <laughs> TikTok bangers. Hey, make hey, making let's... tween tweeny videos. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, but I'm 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 about ready to pull off some twerking and some other I things. I saw. Yeah, there's of a, the course. Be a whole bunch of really embarrassing content coming you know. straight to TikTok, right from <laughs> nice. Mr. House. When That's you're, right. uh, you know, when when you're when you're part of the work for it podcast and everybody else moves to a new platform, well, of course you've got to take the leap too. So. You miss one sure. week. You go to the proctologist Man, one week, yeah. and then everything goes to shit. You like come back, and we're changes. like, my hair is blue. Shave your ass for one. Yeah. one <laughs> That's the whole it. world oh, falls apart. But but on that note, if if I may take a minute, phenomenal episode. I, I listened back to the episode from last week that you guys put on. Incredible, and some topics that. Man, I think we've got to loop around to at some point. Uh, <laughs> I have a some... theory about why the show was so good. Why is that? I was What's gone. that? Because Ben was not on it. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> oh, poor Ben. Uh, I'm kidding. First, Ben has to have a, his asshole checked, and now we're starting to rag on him. What's going on? <laughs> All right. I, okay, I'm curious. Did you but get I, any messages see. from anybody that asked about I your butthole? I'm just curious. Ah, good. I, I At least you got one. one. Mission accomplished. So nice, I appreciate I the concern for, yeah. for my ass. It is dragging most days, but but I all in really all. thought I I was really on the fence about like actually going into a tell. big long diatribe. <laughs> when you and I'm when like, you started, oh. I was like, he's he's really hesitating. I I was hesitant because I'm thinking to myself like, wait, people are gonna believe what I'm saying. <laughs> I have this ability to like tell a ridiculous story oh. that could not be true and people will go, Really? Really? Did right. that happen? Is he okay? Yeah. Is is Ben's butthole okay? I'm like, I don't oh. know, dude. He Too he went funny. and saw the proctologist. It's like fully prolapsed. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> awful. It's awful for him. Oh, but I, I, so so I just pulled up my notes because I I, I I I had a couple I, I had a couple of moments of like you know it, it's it's kind of honestly it's it's really unique and somewhat surreal surreal to listen to the show when you're not on it when you're kind of used to being on it you know right. um, and especially in this case where there was two people doing the show so really cool perspective honestly it. It was kind of nice in a way, you know, it's like reminded me uh, of what I really, truly enjoyed about the show. And so if if it's any constellation, uh, you know, a dozen or so episodes in now, I still like the show. So that's good. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, well, I would but, hope so. But Brian, you, it, I, what, one thing that really resonated with me was your discussion about not listening to the news. I'm I'm like the same. I've been the same way. I think almost literally since uh, the last president was elected. <laughs> you know, just kind of people ask me all out. the time about current events, and I'm just like, I have no I, idea. Don't ask. I don't me either. I, I came back. You know, I I came. I filled up my timesheet on yesterday, Monday, or, or Monday, whatever, a couple of days ago, and I'm like, oh, we get June. 
19th off now? Like that's a federal holiday now? Huh. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, learned okay. about this also, which I think is really cool. You know, I'm, yeah, it's great. I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't get any days off. But, you know, I right. think it's it's an interesting yeah. uh, thing that we've got going on. I don't I, look if you if you want to w- listen and watch the news and I'm totally for all of that. It's like stay up on current events. I yeah. get it filtered through my wife. Right. She loves the news. She's got a, a iPad with like CNN and Fox News. And so she keeps up with everything. Yeah. And I found, though, that I'm a much better person. Sorry, my air conditioner is making a bunch of weird noises. Mm-hmm. I'm a much better person when I don't pay attention to the news because yeah. I have when I worked for Fox television, there was this. I started to learn that the news, your attention is a commodity, right? So if you're a human being, your eyes, your ears, everything is a commodity. The news organizations now, they used to be, you know, it used to be like Dan Rather and all these people, you know, making, hold on. Give me one sec. Something happened in my air conditioner. It's, can, I don't know if it you guys can hear be, this. Uh, I'll, I'll but it sounds like, so, like there's like a chicken caught in my air conditioner. Yeah, I'll be bit. right back. Yeah, it used, used to be. Oh, like, sorry. Go ahead, bud. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it was a little more long form content, right? Like, do you get that impression, Brian? That it's Yeah, it's like- I think I think the biggest thing is it used to be everyone listened to the same news and took their own opinions away from it, where yeah. now everyone reads the, reads and watches their own news and there's no, yeah. you know, overlap. That but, and, the, and the opinions baked in, right? Right, um, right. I... I a cousin of mine is very much into politics, very much into, you know, all that surrounding politics, loves to debate, loves to discuss and get really deep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, f- several bottles of wine in and he's still going. <laughs> but one of the yeah. things he pointed out to me one time, you know, because we say, well, the news cycle right today is sure has been um has been just sped up so much right like right. The, the explosion of news and he said well you know he's like think about when the telegraph was invented he said the exact same thing happened then think about when newspapers became big the exact same mm-hmm. thing happened then right it's not necessarily a new phenomenon and i think it's really easy for us to forget that that's the case, right? And it's easy yeah, to for bl- sure. blame it on tech and blame it on social media and blame it on all these things. But the reality is that shit's been happening for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. Um, I like um I like Jeff Fader's take on it where he says, "You don't care about my political beliefs. I don't care about yours. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to know." <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's it, right, it, is, it does get pretty gray, and I think it's yeah, yeah. It gets to be a gray thing. The other thing, um, and this is a topic I, I I'd like to to actually dive into sometime, is the um, the hard work versus the right work at the right time, and I think sure. what resonated with me is that there is. Either something that happens when you take the jump and commit to being an entrepreneur, or it's just something that entrepreneurial people have. But I think folks like both of you have the ability to 
stay focused on the things that need to be done, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. if I go into the shop as a hobbyist, you know, woodworker who um, hasn't fully committed to making an entrepreneurial jump, right? I'm not dependent on the work that I do in my shop to produce money. It's just either to produce enjoyment in the form of some side money or just enjoyment in the form of doing a hobby. Um, I so easily get distracted, right? And so I could walk in knowing that I've got a commission that I need to work on, but these three other things look fun today, so I'll just go do that, (laughs) right? And that's okay because the way that things are often set up when it's a side hustle type thing that, that you're just comfortable leaving it status quo, which I think a lot of people end up being that way. But if you're just kind of comfortable just letting it, letting it ride, um, you don't, you don't often force yourself to do the right work at the right time. Right. So now you're doing hard work, but, but you're, but you're doing the wrong hard work to grow fast, big, strong, you know? So here's what I did. So, um, I found myself in the same predicament where, you know, I had orders that I needed to get done, but I also had side projects that I'm, you know, learning on like the, the, a little while ago, I was doing that serrated knife for the first time. Well, what I've, what I've forced myself to do is, you know, in the morning I make a mental list or sometimes I even write it out of, okay, what is everything I absolutely need to get done in the shop today? Mm. Um, once, once I go through all of those things, any time past then is my play time is what I call it, where, yeah. you know, I can do, you know, I can fire up the forge and, you know, bang out some steel that I, that I want to try, or, nice. you know, I want to try this new grind or I want to try this, that, or the other. Um, yep. af- after I get done my, you know, absolute necessities, that's when I get to, you know, do the fun things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think it's tricky too, like being that hobbyist um, where, where shop time is one of about five things that all compete for time management, you know, um, it's hard sometimes because if I'm not head down focused on doing the right work at the right time, you know, I do a bunch of hard work on something else and then I'm just flat out of shop time. You know, it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I gotta, gotta go now or, you know, now it's like a hundred degrees in the shop and you're going, oh shit, now I got to do the stuff I didn't want to do to begin with. And it's hotter than the hubs of hell, you know, or, or something like that. So, but I think it's, I think some of it might be, I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced it's not a trait that entrepreneurial people just have as well, you know? Um, and, and there, maybe there, it, Ben, there's like a sense of urgency, I think. Yeah. You know, right? for me, I, I just, I just know that the harder I work, the more money I tend to make. And, yeah. you know, for me, it's like not really a race to the finish line. There isn't a finish line, Yep. but it, like Brian, Brian said about, you know, being able to have that play time, you know, um, for me with the grinder project, that's my income. So my orders always come first. You know, like yeah. I have to get yeah. my orders out. And then I when I, just when I think I, I've caught up, you know, with everything, I'll get a few more and then I have to go back to it. But there's there's some lulls in orders. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sales get slow and you just, you know, and then that's when you see me producing knives and you see all my yeah. content about knives. And then 
that what what I really like about that is that it actually gives me time to solve more problems. And if I can right. solve more problems for myself, I can probably solve them for a lot of other people, make some good content wrapped around all of that and then continue moving forward. That's the beauty of this kind of I wouldn't call what I do a gig economy, but it's kind of like working for myself. It's these gigs that I get and I kind of create for myself. And then that, but that urgency in me was never there when I work for someone else. Like I could right. like stroll into my regular job and just know that I'm going to get a paycheck regardless of what I do. And mm -hmm. I think that that was a big source of um, contention inside of me because I felt like, I had potential to do better things with my time yep. and I simply was not doing them. And I was I've, just, you know, going to work. I've said that so often lately <laughs> uh, is that I, I am so hungry to work a job where I know the harder I work, the better the results will be, you know, for me, for you know, if it's me that I'm working for, then it'd be for the company that I that I create. Uh, you know, in general, um, there are some employment systems where there is a very clear career ladder that you can climb through hard work. I think, but so many of them have been flattened to the point that that that's not a possibility anymore, right? Like the harder Brian Cohn, you stock shelves. <laughs> the, it's not like the more fucking shelves you get to stock, you know, or the more money you make or, you know, you, that, I think that was yeah. another sort of take home was like this, um, our current economy and our current sort of structure for work and career ladder climbing is broken to some degree. And absolutely um, it is. So um, that's where, you know, like, is it, you know, the question that Brian came out with last episode was like hard, harder work does not lead to a better life or whatever. And it's like, well, have, have, has that, has that ethic just been beat out of people because there's no more career ladders? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've been at target for just under six years and I haven't climbed the ladder at all. So, right. um, and also, you know, it's especially right now, I'm coming up to my, like my last month working for Target before I move and uh, or at least specifically this Target where before, yeah. you know, I would, you know, bust my butt, you know, it, it would it's constantly where you have four hours of work, but you have like eight hours of work to get done. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I would bust my butt to try to get everything done now. And now it's like, OK, well, I'm going to do my four hours worth of work with the four hours you give me. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and, that, I don't and that's what I'm, happens, I'm getting right? No, you're I'm not, not. I mean, you're you're probably performing at an appropriate level more so now being mindful of it than you were when you were busting your ass to get more done, you know, because Yeah, for sure. You know, it's hard, it's a hard hard comparison to make, right? But you were working too hard for your money at some level, right? Um, yeah. And I, hard I think it I think it goes to <laughs> Oh, go sorry. Ahead, go Brian. ahead, Brian. Ah, jinx. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is hard work and efficiency is not re rewarded in corporate America. It's actually no. sort of a downgrade because then they just give you more work and they don't compensate yeah. you any differently for it. And, you know, I, being an employer, 
I compensate my people based on performance, you know, so if at the end of the year, I, I noticed that they did an extra awesome job. They all get bonuses or, you know, and some guys don't get them. And I'm just like, yeah. well, maybe that's a message to you that you right. should, you know, do a little bit more work, a little harder, whatever it might be. And it kind of, you know, it can create a sort of some contempt, you know, between myself mm-hmm. and the other employees or whatever. But, you know, if, if I've, if I see you performing, doing better, and always improving, then you're going to rise up. I mean, that's just yeah. the way I am. You're making me more money, so you're going to make more money. And yep. I want to keep you. I want you to know that you're important to my organization. Whereas in corporate America, your hard work most of the time goes unnoticed. You know, yeah. Or if mm-hmm. it is noticed, they're like, oh, hey, you're really super efficient at that. That's great. Here's like 10 yeah. more tasks. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and really you're, you're totally right. Good. We call yeah, it walk-in work. Good. You know, because you know why? Because they don't care about you. You could no. literally be replaced the following day, and it won't matter. This is my argument for being an entrepreneur. Because I will tell this. Uh, this is how I put it to people. Because when I when I quit my job, my wife was pregnant, and uh, and we had oh, Dexter. He, he was real little. Like he was. Gosh, he, he was really little and everybody in my family was like you're effing crazy do not quit you are the only income that family has you're gonna yeah. uh you know you're gonna really regret this and there were times that i regretted it you know or i wish i had a regular income however this is my argument for it and this is how i responded to those those things was that if i'm an entrepreneur and i have multiple clients which i do i have now i have thousands of clients i have to make you know, all most of them happy, right? For the most part. Now, if one of those clients does not gel with me and it's a problem and they decide to not work with me anymore, I have 999 other clients to work with. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. before with my job, I had one yeah, guy one. that I had yep. to make happy. And if I didn't make him happy, then he could control every single thing in my life my, from my time to my money to how I am supported uh, financially how my workflow goes every single minute of my work day was controlled yep. by this person. And, you know, uh, I'm not always the best socially, you know, and I just <laughs> say it like it is. I'll sit in a boardroom full of people who should be smarter than me and say they're all fucking stupid, you know, like you're right. doing it wrong. And, and I, maybe I need to change my tact, but at the same time, <laughs> people get really shitty about that and they yeah. want to make your life miserable. They're, you know, they're very, um, they're they're very they're they're tuned into office dramatics and and politics and everything else and I just hated that like yeah. can't we just get the job done can't we come to work and just work together for a common goal and then go ho- home and we you really can't so my argument is you got one guy to make happy and if the law of you know diversification plays any role in this then it's much better to be an entrepreneur now statistically. Most businesses fail within the first year and most other businesses, the rest of them that do succeed through the year, they fail within five years. Now, if you can beat that five year mark, then you're doing something and you've got yeah. you've got this momentum. So it is yeah, a interesting. Is is. Yeah. I, uh, the the eight hour workday uh, is an analogy I've used at times. You know, it's this was based on a certain. Uh, performance metric in a, a manufacturing economy, probably, you know, uh, to some extent. It used to be longer. It used to be, what was it, 10, nine or 10 hour day 
was sort of the standard. Uh, but it's based on the fact that, you know, essentially that Bob can make X number of widgets in, in X number of hours and therefore everyone shall work X number of hours, right? And mm. um, I think what is the reality in most cases, Brian, you alluded to the gig economy kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But in most cases, jobs are projects, right? Whether the project takes you five minutes or the project takes you five days or five months, I would say most work can be broken down to look at it on a project basis. And in reality, how much you get done in one eight-hour day, pick a random eight-hour day, uh, may or may not have much bearing on how long it takes to get the whole project done, right? So mm -hmm. uh, some days you're going to get shitloads of work done. And that's because that particular day at that particular point in the project, it was serendipitous to get a lot of work done. And it all the stars aligned and you banged it out and everything was good. But I think there are also those days where you spend eight hours thinking about what needs to be done. And that's what needs to be done that day. <laughs> you know, so I've, I've often argued like, we should like employees shouldn't be paid per hour. They should be paid per project. But then the problem is accentuated. You know, the problem that Brian just described is massively ex accentuated because it's literally up to your your one and only supervisor to deem whether or not you you were successful. Mm -hmm. You know, in completing the project quote on time whatever on and time is. It's a logistical is. nightmare too. Yeah, I mean, it becomes you, when a, we talk <laughs> when I talk. I have three employees and they're salaried, you know, and yeah. it's because I don't want to have to figure out every single hour they worked and the, yeah. the, the, all of the, the calculation that goes along with that. It's just like, here you get 24 paychecks a year and they're yeah. all going to be the same. And, and if you do overtime, let me know and we'll add that in, you know, we can yeah. do that pretty easily. And I do that because I try to automate all processes as far as, Owning a business, it's like, especially two businesses, what what are your processes every single day and what can you automate and automate the living shit out of every single process you can because it takes that focus away from your true yeah. uh, endeavor, which is, you know, growth, you know, making right. product or whatever. So, you know, if if you look at it in terms, and by the way, people are terrible with money. So, like, if yes. you can tell somebody like, hey, I'm going to divvy out. You know, you get two grand uh, twice a month, and here you go. Here's your money. They know that they're going to get that money every single – on the 15th and the 30th, they're going to get that check. And yeah. that helps them over the course of time to budget somewhat. Yeah. I just think if, if we tried to get do it on a per-project basis, you might as well be an entrepreneur then. You might as well, right. Might, right. Might as well be yeah. just a contractor I, or whatever. I think it's know? just another form of argument in favor of – entrepreneurialism you know and i think it, it's it, i guess point of the matter when you step back and look at how complex call it co corporate america you know i i see the same thing in a, in a federal civilian service job um but when you look at how convoluted the career ladder has gotten and the workplace has gotten and how truly difficult it is to equate hard work to more dollars or more positive net benefit for the employee. It's, it's no wonder people start to go, no, 
hard work doesn't equal a better life. Hard work yeah, equals a, yeah. more work, you know? Yeah. You're right. You're, you're right. I, I, I think, I think I was trying to stir the bucket by no, it's good. that and, and obviously I, bring I up a dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And, no, and the, the dialogue was, was, you know, I had both sides of the argument and, you know, in my opinion, I think that you can measure hard work as a metric, as yeah. an entrepreneur, and say you have a better life. That's been my experience, but it's been yeah. my experience only in the last, say, five years of my my journey. The first ten years were working my fingers to the bone in hopes that yeah. that would equate or exchange into a better life. I just personally um, dislike authority. I've always had an issue with it and I can't, I can't, I'm unemployable. I just, I, yeah. you can't, no matter how much money someone were to offer me to come work for them, I would say, oh, I have to be there when I have to do, wait, what right. now? I have to dress like how? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, fuck you. I'm not doing it. And I, <laughs> I just simply won't do it. That's well, it's in, uh, who I am. And, and I think once you've had, once you've had the uh, freedom of being an entrepreneur, it's definitely hard to go back. And especially like in my that, situation. Right, yeah, yeah. In my situation, you know, where I'm, you know, doing one foot in each of them, um, you know, being in my own shop feels like absolute freedom. And then, you know, being at Target where you have to dress in a uniform and do things at a certain time and, you know, it's at a certain rate, it's just like it's so hard to go to the target job and be happy there when your happiness is sitting at home in the shop. So well, that just totally motivates you even more. Right. So you want absolutely. to absolutely yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that was my argument was you get shit on when you're doing these other jobs and it's designed that way. Maybe not in their minds, but it's designed in a way to push you out of the nest to make you better so that you don't want to. And some people are just like, I don't care. Like some people, yeah. I just, I kind of admire that, by the way. Like I see these people who can go to a job, work as a cash register or, or a, um, you know, in retail or whatever, and they're 100% content with it. I'm a little bit jealous of that because I'm like, God, life would be so much easier if I just like could just play ball and you know go to work yeah. and whatever but yeah i'm not i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it anyway all right all right let's switch gears yeah. real quick let's let's and uh we're glad you're back we're glad Thank you're you. uh you know joining us again um on the the podcast it was gr it was good to be so change it up just to have a yeah. uh, a good conversation with brian because you know people got a chance to get to know him more because you know 100%. it's just me and him talking but it's good it to fun. have both of you back in the studio. Now, let's uh, switch it up a little bit and talk about the work for it projects hashtag that we were that we created. There's been some activity on Instagram. Yeah. So what we've done is this has been this is a uh, concept that Brian came up with where if you tag WFI, that's Whiskey Foxtrot India project, um, that you will be you'll get in a list of projects that are being done um sort of inspired by what we're talking about on the podcast and this month uh people are making things for their kitchen and we've actually got about uh three people four people involved in this now so uh did you guys look at the projects mm -hmm. that are on those yeah hashtags? so if you want me to take over i'm going to take the mmt maker uh, this is Vincent. Nice. Um, he he looks like he is 
you know, about midway into his learning of uh, the knife making um, career or hobby or however, I, I guess I don't know if he's full time or not or whatever, but so he is making his very first forged integral paring knife for his kitchen. So kind of a cool little no project he's got task. going on there. Yeah. So you, he's got a picture up. Um, it is, a, it looks like a pretty decent sized paring knife sitting on his forge. It's either a really large paring knife or a very small anvil, <laughs> but right. he, yeah. I contacted him. He said that he was using O1 tool steel. Um, it's his first time doing a fully integral knife. So kind of a cool, you know, really nice for him to, you know, post up on the hashtag WFI project. Um, but yeah, go and check him out at MMT Maker on Instagram. Good and he has stuff. a website too called MMTMakeMeThis.com. And if you go there, yeah. you can see what a creative person Vincent is. Uh, he even has cocktail recipes on his website. So I found that pretty I interesting. That. Um, cool. But he says, not only do we love working with wood and metal, we also like working with cooking and drinks. Here are a few of our recipes from our favorite drinks and some of the best ribs you will ever have. So he's got like different recipes on there. I love yeah. that kind of thing because I feel like there's not enough of us Renaissance folks out there. So go find MMT maker. Uh, and also if you just search for WFI project on Instagram, you'll see a list yeah. of all the different pictures that are up there. I'm going to take the next one. Uh, Bent llama, my man, Nate Ooh. Walpole. He is making a Nakiri which is, uh, he says here, two small 14-millimeter Nakiris in progress. He's going to do an S-grind, single bevel, which is difficult, and uh, stabilized, I don't know how to say that. It's Thiua, Th Thua, Thua Burl. I've never heard of that wood, so. Never heard of luck. it either? No. Copper and 1084. And you can see in his photos, I think he's rocking the TR Maker small wheel attachment which is uh, cool, and he's doing yeah, some really complicated Yeah, you can tell lines. it's the TR Maker one because you can see the TR in the in oh, his yeah, logo. Oh, yeah, the upper the left. Yep. Yeah, 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 in the upper left there. So uh, check out Bent Llama. It's just how it's spelled, Bent Llama. And Llama is with two L's, by the way, for all y'all who don't know that. Um, and his name is Nate. And you can find him on everywhere, uh, Facebook. The guy's got an awesome story, so... Nice. Go find him, read about him, and check out his stuff. Nice. It's it's actually so I just looked it up. It's the Tuya. Two T W O Ya. Tuya. Tuya tree. And it's if there's uh, anyone who's gonna know what that wood it, it would be Ben. <laughs> hey, I work the wood, man. How does the Tuya tree burn, Ben? Is it a slow burn? Apparently it, it hard burns wood? like a bush because it's a biblical tree. Um <laughs> The burning it's a, bush. <laughs> it's a I conifer. had that once in college. It was awful. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. Gives you a hell of a headache. Uh, it's, it's a conifer from the cedar family, and it's exclusively oh. native to Morocco. Ooh. <laughs> so it probably has a – it doesn't look this way, but it probably has kind of like an olive wood yeah. look it's, to it's it. It's kind but of reddish, burl, but olive so. wood and spalty, yeah. and, and uh, the oils are used in religious ceremonies. So when they – when they cut off your pecker, they'll put some of this oil on it. <laughs> <laughs> I right. am shouting out the shoe shed. The shoe shed made a teaspoon. And this was a couple, three days ago, I guess. 
And it says, finished off the teaspoon this morning up to 800 grit. I'm still not very... I'm still not very good, more confident about stock removal and getting more accurate with the axe though. So Hold up. He he, he teaspoon with, that an axe. with an axe? Apparently Holy at cow. some stage of the game, yeah. And uh well, he hashtags Whoa. bushcraft, spoon making, uh and handmade. I I can't quite tell from the picture how big this thing is, but he says teaspoon. Uh and it does not look very large, but the shoe shed, no. it is the he underscore shoe underscore shed. Yeah. These well, guys are that's one of the spoon. things that I've always wanted to try to do is make a wooden spoon. Have you ever done that, Ben? I have. It's it's super fun. There's a multitude of ways to do it, right? Um, very traditional carving with a knife. Um, with There's a couple different knives. A, 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 a hook knife that's sort of a round it's really round almost and the mm-hmm. blades, you know, the blades cur- really curved and that's typically done with green wood where, you know, you literally go cut a tree and start shaping it immediately. But but with that process, you'll usually only get it to a rough shape or size and then maybe let it cure for as much as a year and then wow. provided nothing cracks or anything else you would finish it off with more refined carving um most of what i've well all that i've done has been with dried wood to start you know uh mm-hmm. kiln dried wood or or wood that i know is already stable and done some power carving power carving is really fun to make spoons quickly um, i was just going to bring up the fact that that it would be really cool to see you make a wooden spoon with the shop bot. Yes. Ooh. Right. I, I mean, that I've would got, be super rad, right? You could yeah. do like patternings in the handle up. and stuff and mix epoxies yep. in with it. That yep. would be really neat. I've got actually, I've, I was playing around with a bunch of CNC projects this morning, but I've got, um, uh, three, a three compartment, well, three individual sort of bowls, uh, but they'll be like catch-all trays that are kind of shaped really cool so they all fit together in a bunch of different ways. But yeah, carving bowls and spoons and that kind of stuff on the shop bot's really pretty sweet. Um, Speaking and it's of quick. your shop bot carving, I saw one of your posts. Um, your son, did he hit a home run or was just given the game ball? That That was a cool little project making a stand for it. Yeah, he got the game ball, and it's honestly, I'll be completely honest, it's been a little while. It's been a, a month and a half or so since that all happened. But, sure. um, oh, I think it was, they had a game where he, you know, he had a solid base hit and just, you know, kind of an all, all-around pretty good game for him especially. And uh, the coach had the tradition or started the tradition at the beginning of the season that he gave a game ball to every, you know, to one player after every game. And uh, it's the first, I think, sport coach that uh, that we've come across that I was really like, this guy's got it figured out, right? Like um, I've coached a number of teams and one of the most challenging things I think is turning a group of t- nine, 10, 11 year olds who are complete strangers before you, they walk into the room, turning them into a team, right? 
that mm-hmm. has camaraderie and uh, you know is genuinely cheering each other on and you know having teamwork and all those kinds of things and and this guy was able to pull it off now he's a smoke jumper by day so it didn't surprise me too much because <laughs> they're sort These of guys elite nuts. humans anyway <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah it's kind of cool so he, yeah and then it was neat because that was the first time that I actually played around in three dimensions on the shot bot, right? Uh, at some level, a CNC machine is just a really accurate cookie cutter machine, you know, or an accurate jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to actually do carving where you have some third dimension where you're carving out a little cup or a bowl or something like that, it's a whole different process in the uh, VCarve software. So it was really cool. And then that's led me to doing, I'm actually, I'm setting up for a carve tonight that will run for, I want to say it was almost three hours and it's a wow. really sweet pat. It's, it's the, the ultimate uh, final iteration of the uh, B-Cone uh, hey. BC knife. Ah, yeah. You're finally, finally cutting around. that thing. Wasn't the first one like it? Something happened to it, and yeah. You, or you poured the epoxy, and it kind of like bled into some it of the just, other. Yeah, it just didn't have enough pizzazz. You know, it probably would have worked <laughs> all right. Um, but then I also realized that when I carved the last one, I carved a really cool pattern just in a flat piece of walnut, and then poured epoxy into that pattern. So I created a negative space that was in in uh, you know an arrangement of a pattern. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. And then just poured the epoxy onto it. Well, I only carved that negative space down maybe two tenths of an inch. And so by the time I would have got to sanding on that thing and everything else, I would have sanded the damn pattern right off, you know? Yeah. So... I got to go deeper and I think this time I I think I've got it figured out to where I can actually carve very close to the final handle shape on this on the shop bot as well. So cool. my goal cool. was to get it to the point where I pick it up off the shop bot, put some epoxy on the on the knife, put the pins in, 
and mm-hmm. you're all you're almost done at that point so that's that's awesome cool. well we're looking forward to seeing that now can you can you are you sharing any of that process anywhere publicly or are you guys kind of like keeping the collaboration just uh mm-hmm. i as i haven't seen maybe i missed it it's but i haven't seen quiet. it yeah okay and that's not, what i was not by ask. design um okay. just just out of circumstance but i but that's that's hopefully going to change here in at least the next handful of weeks because I'm home cool. alone. Ah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you're so like I Kevin got, from the that movie. Yeah, you're Macaulay nothing, Culkin. <laughs> I got nothing but time in home tripods. <laughs> well, I, hey, I was gonna speaking of epoxy and uh, projects. I thought I maybe I'd bring up what I've got going on in my workshop. I am. Um, Real quick, I'll go backwards real fast. The Giotto challenge, the knife challenge that I did with all of the the, the fantastic YouTubers that I was a part of, um, I did actually get in fourth place, believe it yeah, or not. In I, that, I in saw that. that. I was I was really impressed on you getting so high. Good good for you, Brian. That's I awesome. know. I was too. I'm like, damn, man. Like these awesome. guys have all this. You know, I I'm not you know i was using mono steel you know so and i was yeah. up against some guys using some pretty amazing forging techniques and damascus and everything got, else i think what worked community you know i think that's part partially it and also that i followed i really did follow like what a um like a traditional giotto looked like so i think that was partially uh, uh, the you know some of the other knives that were in that challenge they were a little outside of what a traditional K-Tip Gyoto looked like. And I did a very traditional Gyoto. So um, I, I appreciate everybody who voted for me. So thank you so much. But getting back, that was the last video that I posted. And I posted that uh, right around the first of the month, I think, uh, that video came out. And I haven't made another YouTube video since. And I'm actually in the process of making a video that will come out this weekend um, I am working on prototyping a handle for the Revolution Grinder, and um, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I just couldn't like get it right. I've made like probably ten or twenty different iterations of this handle, and I realized like if I don't just settle on a look and feel, I'll I'll never you know um, it'll never get done. So this is for up on top, like the um, the like. Yep where the okay yeah go ahead sorry yeah it, it's it's it mounts to the tracking arm where the tracking gotcha. wheel is so that you can uh pull belts on and off and tighten belts and and change swap belts basically so nice. i had a sort of a moment of clarity i um realized that you know, if I use plate steel and some sort of like maybe one by one um stock steel i could create kind of like an insert where it would slide into the tube steel and then it would be a very simple you know handle to make you know and obviously um offer the parts you know for sale or whatever people want to buy them but then i also had this thought like well what if i put holes in it like pinholes on a knife handle and then oh then people can make their own handle make their own handle right because you know a lot of us are knife makers already and we're making a lot of handles anyway so we'd probably have handle material laying around so i am in the process of creating my own custom handle uh and i poured i actually 
man, I'm working with some different materials that I've never worked with before. So you'll see the video. It'll come out this Saturday on YouTube. Um, and hopefully if everything goes well, I'm actually pouring Alumalite epoxy and I'm mixing colors and I'm also mixing like those powders, the like the real shiny. Mm-hmm. I'm doing some like really cool. Cr- yeah, but yeah, the aluminescence. I don't know powder. Mm-hmm. It's called black diamond. I don't remember the name of whatever it's called. Yep. But black then, yes, black diamond pigments. And then I mix the liquid alumalite dye in, and then on top of that, you uh, sell from TR Maker sent me a whole bunch of that aluminum honeycomb. So mm-hmm. I'm oh, making nice. that, you know, kind of cool look with the aluminum honeycomb and like the different Dude, mixes of the that thing is going to look wild when you're done. I'm super excited. I to think see so. That. Me too. Yeah, me too. I, I, I've never done this process before. And I don't know if you know who Mike Lavallee is, but he yeah. is a, he's like a knife maker in, um, in Louisiana. He's military. He's active awesome. right now. Makes yeah. awesome stuff. Unbelievable work. Well, if you yeah. look at his handles, his handles are exactly what I just described. You know, lots of honeycomb mixed with different types of epoxies and then woods and all this stuff. So I kind of took a page yeah. out of his book and and got inspired by the work that he's been doing to make a handle for the revolution. Because I thought, you know what, nice. if I'm going to do this, I might as well kind of go above and beyond, you know, and make something yeah. really cool and inspire people in the process, hopefully. So Jake, that's what um, I'm up to. Jake Thompson, I think I mentioned him on the channel before or on the show before, but um, he does or he has done several projects with that aluminum honeycomb, several resin projects. And uh, so he, he's got some info if anybody out there is looking to play around with it. His channel is awesome, by the way. I, I yeah, really he's, like watching He's him a cool work. dude. He's just yeah. a, a, a down to earth, good old boy, um, which is really cool. And the other... I don't know if you saw two other makers making handles for tools that they make. One is Andy Klein, who makes the twin turbo woodworking vice. Right, right, Um, right. right. He just made a handle. And um, Adam Savage also uh, on his. I was going to say, Adam Adam has his vice, right? Mm -hmm. In in Mm -hmm. his shop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then I think Andy, so Adam made a handle that was based on some hardware that he purchased and because, you know, he, he wanted it to fold in a specific way, which I thought was pretty clever. Um, and then, of course, Andy Klein made, went and made a, made a hand, another handle, just made it from scratch because that's how he rolls, but both really cool. And you wouldn't think, and Brian, I think your, um, your work probably is the same way but at some level it handles such a simple thing but it can be incredibly complex right if it's if it's not just right you run into it all the freaking time or it gets in the way of a process or it's like one of a million things could happen with this silly and you make one thing wrong and it's so sad when you get to the very end of a of a knife and you (laughs) mess up the handle and then yeah i mean I've, mm-hmm. I've had a few where oh, I've, I've thrown there. it against the wall. It's like, damn it all. I just finished yep. this and, and the handle's no good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. It, it, when you're, especially with this type of prototyping, I'm really super happy that I have like the Langmuir Systems Crossfire Pro because I, you know, right. I can just like tell it, like I can design it in CAD and in five minutes I can have one in my hand. 
And uh, because the first itera- few iterations of it, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel like it worked. You know, I would put it on and I'd be going, oh, you know, it's too low or my, my hand mm-hmm. runs into the knob behind it. Uh, there's not enough room. You know, when I pull it, it doesn't really make you want to pull down. It makes you want to pull towards you. So it was like all oh, of these yeah. little things that, you know, I think are overlooked in some other designs are just like, well, it's a handle. Just put a handle on right. it. It, it needs it to be there. there. Just stick mm-hmm. it on there. And this project has come so far that I don't want to just do that. I don't want to just right. accept, you know, mediocrity. And then well, next thing- also I like that, we, you know, the user, whoever design or whoever puts it on there has the ability to design whatever they want as far as the handle material and they can kind of personalize their grinder. Now, here's mm-hmm. my question. Um, can you sell a version that would be completely ready to go in case there is a person that buys it and doesn't want to, you know, modify it to their own? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mm-hmm. I try to stay away from as much fabrication as possible just because it's so time consuming. But, yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. we could do it like a knife handle where you could say, like, what color do you want? And they could pick a color yeah. and we could make it for them. You know? Hand tool rescue, hand tool rescue gets into or he's gotten in like deep 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 into this whole uh, philosophical you know debate but so he made a replica of sort of the old school screwdriver um oh i saw that yeah and he got into this debate of should he design a handle and um you know that would allow people to put whatever the majority of the material was made out of wood, right? So the screwdriver itself is all metal and it has a negative space where you would stick some wood in there to make a handle. Well, you know, he sold a large number of those screwdrivers without any wood in that negative space, without a quote handle because of all the, you know, and I'm thinking, this is a damn screwdriver, dude. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> as long as it's got a cylinder on the fucking end I of like it, but, the minutia where he's yeah, going though, but, because it makes sense that we have these yep. conversations mm-hmm. about the, okay, form over function. It's been the argument for so long, which one is you know more important. Can you do both? Yeah, yes, exactly. I think you can. And that's what we're getting back into, especially in the U S where we have given up our manufacturing to other countries because of cheap labor. And now we're seeing what that looks like. We're living in an Ikea world where, you know, things are not, they look cool, but they're not long lasting. They don't, they don't Mm -hmm. have the longevity. And I think that I love the Renaissance that we're a part of. I mean, I know you guys probably feel mm-hmm. the exact same way is that absolutely man. We're, we're Fine. seeing this, these younger generations going, no, fuck that. I want something that's going to last 20 years. You know, yeah. I don't want to buy the and cheapest it's well thing. thought out. It's well thought you know? out. It's handmade possibly. Yep. And you know, my generation and your generation too, Ben, um, I don't know about you, but every single piece of furniture I had in my house up until probably about five years ago was particle board, was falling yeah. apart within <laughs> 10, day, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it, nothing lasted because that's all the option we had. Unless we made it yeah. ourselves, there right. was no, or, I couldn't afford to go commission no. a furniture maker 
or I couldn't I mean, afford to go buy a solid piece of, you know, something. So that's what you bought was the junk. Yeah. I'm about to uh, furnish an entire apartment off of pretty much that exact same stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and oh, I'll no. also say, yeah, but I I'll also say like <laughs> with, um, with regard to furniture, it, it's a really interesting landscape because places like Ikea and others, there, there are a, a handful of others, but, but they make, their quality is just high enough to be passable, you know, and, yes. and, and I don't yes. say that to be negative because, hell, I've still got a number of pieces in the house here that sure. are Ikea, right? The bed yeah. I sleep on every night was was made in Switzerland, you know. Um, they're, they're made out of real wood. It's not hardwood or anything like that, but it but it works and it, and it really is functional um, or it's also for some uh you know, income levels, it's also disposable after a short period of time. So it can kind of go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have, you know, just with a little bit, I have one, one ad, not even an ad. I have one post in Facebook marketplace that basically says, you know, I'm a woodworker. I'll make you anything you want. You know, I'll make your wife's Pinterest dreams come true. Just reach out to me. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I've got um, a handful of pictures of tables that I've built over the years, you know, in that post. Just from that post, it's unbelievable the requests I get for commission work, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. quite literally all the advertising I've done. Now, recently I have gone into Google My Business and I have gotten that. Uh, authenticated and gotten that going. So I'm, I'm listed in Google now as an actual business. If you search woodworking in Boise, Idaho, you know, that helps Very my cool. chances of coming up. But it, I think that people, you're right, people are now taking an interest in commissioning or, or finding somebody to make something, right? I've had even a few people say like, oh, I was looking at these cornhole boards on Etsy and, you know, that this Etsy listing sure looks like it's some big corporation. And so I'd much rather you make them even if they cost 20 bucks more. Wow. You know? Those are nice people. Um, I yeah. also have a couple of posts, uh, Facebook Marketplace posts where I'm just kind of, hey, this is a variety of nice. the knives I make. But the problem is Facebook keeps taking those things down because oh, really? it's a sharp object, you know? Oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly trying to, you know, change the wording, switch out a photo or two to get Jingling it up for Jesus. a couple more weeks because I also get quite a few people checking it out. But that also does turn into a lot of conversations of, okay, what do you want? Go yeah. through all of it and then, you know, oh, wow, that's about three times more than I was expecting. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. the argument for the website is to have the yeah. representation so you can just send people over there and, and, and they can look and see what your price point is. I think speaking that's super Brian, important for anybody. Yeah. Speaking of Brian, I actually spent about four hours starting to put together a uh, website on Squarespace the other day. Hey, um, all right. I'm, I'm not quite ready nice. to go live, but it's, it's getting pretty close. Hey, if you're, um, I, I was, I meant to reach out to you after listening to the show as well, but, um, in, with regard to taking credit card payment. Mm-hmm. So three or so years ago, I started using something called wave apps. 
So it's like a, a surf, surf the wave. So wave, surfing wave, like a wave, wave apps with an S, A-P-P-S. Um, it's, it is a free to use. So it's, um, it's, there's, either, there's a paid version and there's a free version. I'm still using the free version because it more than suits my needs. It'll actually connect to your bank account and allow you to, you know, for a simple operation like mine, where taxes are very simple to do, you know, it's in and out. I've got a separate, um, separate uh, bank account just for Benjamin Butler Company and mm-hmm. all my money for the company comes and goes through that. And so it connects to that card. And then at the end of the year, I've got all my ins and outs uh, for taxes. And then also uh, I create an estimate for every job that I bid and send. So it gives me a link. I send that link to the customer. They check out the estimate. If they accept the estimate, uh, it gives them a link to pay via credit card directly through Wave Apps. They charge me like a 2% fee, which is pretty standard for everybody. Um, and at times, depending on who it is, we might negotiate money exchange via check or cash or you know uh, PayPal or whatever. But it gives you that opportunity to have a, a link embedded right in there. It looks incredibly professional. Um, you can, yeah. you can customize the invoices and the estimates and everything else with your logo. And, uh, to me, it's, it was just simple enough to, um, to lock in some deals that I might not get. You know, if somebody's really kind of borderline, it's like, well, that is a shitload of money, but man, this guy's got a pretty serious operation going here. I trust Yeah, him. man. Uh, I don't know about anyone who's listening, but I'm over here taking notes. I'm totally going to check that one out. It's a good one, and yeah. you can even Credit go so far as to, yeah, you can even go so far as to like have a point of sale through it. Like if you were working a, uh, it in, it'll integrate with Square, I think, and different stuff like that. So just another option that's out there to check out. Um, and and honestly, you get quite a bit for the at the free level. Um, but yeah, it's it is the credit card thing is, is a complete game changer because I. I you know, my commissions tend to be, oh, you know, anywhere from a grand to two grand because they're big pieces of furniture, mm-hmm. you know, depending. And so I, I'm always, I always take 50% up front because yeah. if, if, if tomorrow, you know, and most of them, yeah, my bids are obviously, you know, I, I, I look at materials and then a multiplier is how I, I calculate my bids for furniture. Yeah. So I've also you know, started taking uh 50% up front. Um, yeah. specifically this, um, about a month ago, I finished a knife for a customer that I didn't ask for 50% up front and I still have her knife. She literally right. lives within, you know, 20 miles of me and just yeah. won't make the time to, you know, connect to make that money exchange. And you can't, you know, with a custom something, with right. a custom piece of furniture, if I build somebody a dining table and they don't, they bail on me, A, my shop's tiny. The second that thing's done, it's got to get out. And in fact, in my term sheet, I I have laid out where your piece of furniture can stay in my shop for three days after I tell you it's done. And then I'm going to start charging you 300 bucks a day for rent. <laughs> because that's a good I, that's a good metric because people will legit 
uh, stonewall yeah. you and not pay you. Yeah, I, I'm we've I do this in my own business where we tell people you have 30 days to pick up your equipment. Otherwise, it's yeah. ours. We own it. Yeah, we have had numerous times where people come back 60, 90 days. Yep. And I just hold up the piece of paper that they signed on their way out when they left all their computer equipment with me. And I said, this is what you assigned That's to. Ours. You agreed to this. Uh, if yeah. you'd like, uh, you can buy your equipment back, uh, but you cannot, yeah. you know, that that's as simple as that. And, you know, of course, if it's a long term customer, somebody I've worked with in a long, you know, I'll, I'll usually give them a little leeway. But we've had people. I am not kidding you. Some guy left his computer. It was a nice machine f- with us for a year, a year. What? We had it. I can believe it. <laughs> And honestly, yeah. it's crazy. And, and I went, I, you know, we and I was like, finally, it came down to it where I was like, we got to just, you know, we got to call the guy. And we kept, we were calling the email and no response, no response. So we just sold his equipment like we sold mm-hmm. it, you know, as because it, it was ours at whatever point. And and I'm not kidding you. Right after we sold it, he came in looking for oh, it. of course. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, dude, here's the record of all the times we tried to get a hold of you. And he's like, I'm yeah. going to leave you a negative review on Google. And I was like, well, I'm just going to respond to it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to look kind of stupid, but OK. Yeah. And uh, well, but it's... yeah, it happens in every business. You got to get 50 yeah. percent up front. Make sure your costs are covered up front. And then that yeah. second half is your profit. And then and you know, also, if you make forward. them pay 50 percent up front, they already have money out of their pocket. So they're eager to, yep. you know, yep. give that less to get that, you know, get that product. So I totally get it. Yeah. And yeah. it shuts uh, my shop down, you know, and, and I look yeah, at the you same can have that for, stuff sitting in there. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it the same uh, like a river table. I've got one of those coming up uh, for a desktop, you know, pouring, pouring epoxy an inch and a half thick in, you know, in between two slabs takes me three pours in a minimum of 24 to 48 hours cure time. That shuts my shop down for a week. Just just yeah. literally pouring epoxy in a damn crack you know so that 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 cost that that potential earning right has to be made up for somewhere and so yeah those those rates go into things like river tables or something that has a very specific finish that has you know 12 layers of shellac well that shit's gotta dry you know and i don't have a dry room so here's my question to you guys so you know, it's been literally a month since I've been trying to contact her. At what point should I just turn around and do an auction or do a, you know, I, I don't know. Did she notice, pay a deposit right? at all? No, I, it was no just deposit. a local person that I thought, you know, I went and met and we designed in person. I thought it was going to be good. And I was like, oh, you know, most people, you know, I make pay a certain percent up front, but you know, you guys seem like good people. And then, yeah. <laughs> Here's what, how I'd handle it. Here's how I'd handle it. I would send them an email and a voicemail, and and both of which it would state, "Hey, look, you have seven days. You have seven days from today. Yeah, today's date is this. And if you don't contact me back and come and pick this thing up within seven days, then I'm going to sell it to someone else. I have someone else interested in it, and I need to get out from underneath this project. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Click. <laughs> and in seven days, they don't. There's no obligation. I mean, you know, right, there. No. That's that absolves you. All right, real quick, real quick. Want to switch gears yet again? We are one hour into the show. One hour into the show, which means it is dad joke time. I am doing a new segment every single week. I bring out a new eye roller of a joke, and uh, 
Here, are you guys ready? Absolutely, I'm ready. So if two vegans get into an argument, is it still considered a beef? <laughs> oh, goodness. There you go. <laughs> I don't think I, it is. I actually have one as well. Oh, all right. All right. Let's hear it. Yes. I couldn't find the damn mute button. That was a good one. I, I, I was wondering where the hell you were. I was like, where's my support, like, man? I guess you didn't find that funny. Thanks a fucking buried lot. Buried under six windows. I'm like, yeah, that was good. I like that. All right. Brian's got a dad joke. So about a week ago, I had a math question. The only person I could uh, think to ask was this German guy. So I, I went to him and asked him, you know, hey, What's the square root of 81? And he told me no. Nine. <laughs> Nine. Nine. Oh, that's funny. I like it. Nine. Oh. He told me no. That's now nah, that's good. I like that. That's very funny. Very funny. It 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 hits all of the um I, I, you know, the dad joke thing about having somebody just like think about it for a second. There was a couple of jokes that I posted recently on Facebook. One of which is I just recently sold my vacuum because all it does is sit around and collects dust. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some people thought that I was like like making Serious. like a joke, like maybe Sarah doesn't vacuum the house enough or Aww, like it yeah, was, it was, right? I was like, dude, it's a dad joke. Yo, I don't have yeah. to. I should. Do I need to put a hashtag right. dad joke? Come on, man. <sighs> oh, man. The other day at eight o'clock and it was very time consuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? See what I did there? Oh, I thought the dryer I thought the dryer was shrink, shrinking my clothes, but it turns out it, it was the refrigerator all along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my dad my dad had a very sort of halfway inappropriate joke. And uh I was like so I called he didn't finish the joke. He he posted a comment oh. and then and then he didn't tell the answer. And then when oh, no. I, I called him on Father's Day, I said, are you going to tell me the, 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 the punchline of the joke? I said, I'm, I'm afraid to ask you. So, all right. So, I'll just tell you what the joke is. Why are Dolly Parton's feet so small? <laughs> because nothing grows well in the shade. <laughs> all right. Nice. So, okay. So, that joke could have gone like in two or three different ways. And I was just like, I'm not yeah. even going to ask, you know. Uh, but uh, I thought that was pretty funny, you know. But it's yes. not a dad joke. You know, you That's can't, you, that, you, you don't, yeah. you don't say that to your kid. Yeah. You know? Like a dad joke is like a, you know, like, it's hey, like an working, innocent. working harder, working harder, hardly working. You know? Like, yeah. Like, oh, I got my hair cut. Well, hope you got them all cut. Oh, oh. You, you just got one. You didn't get them all. <laughs> I know. Right. You, you, can't, you can't do boob jokes with your kid. No. Like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah. I mean, of course I'm his kid, but I'm an adult. You know? <laughs> anyways, yeah. anyways. All right. Listen. All right. Switching years yet again mm -hmm. we have uh we have been working hard here at the work for it podcast to bring entertainment and education and you know some decent halfway decent eye roller jokes and uh <laughs> if you are interested in participating or supporting the work for it podcast you can do so by going to uh, patreon.com forward slash work for it and you can support our our mission here which is 
tomfoolery and dumbassery for as little <laughs> as $1 a month. So if you feel like you got something out of our show, make sure you go over to patreon.com forward slash work for it and you can support what we do. You can also leave us a review on Apple and a couple of other podcast platforms. I really don't know which, but that would also very much help. And we would love it if you hashtagged WFI projects of anything, or I'm sorry, WFI project, no, no S at the end. And uh, that way we can singular, we can, we can then um, start following each other's projects. And if you do that, like you heard on today's show, we actually will call you out, talk about your project, and hopefully get you more followers on your social media, which then in turn will translate into sales for you and hopefully move your goal of becoming a maker or whatever you're doing with your life. It'll just project you up into the stratosphere, as they say. So anyway, um, uh, real quick, guys, I have a hard out in about 10 minutes, and okay. I wanted to I, – I said what I was up to in my shop, so I real quick wanted to hear – uh, Ben, I think you kind of touched on your river table. So Brian, yes, what are you doing? What do you got going on this week? Yeah, I have a batch going right now, a batch of, uh, seven knives. Um, what are you growing? three of, <laughs> three of them are for myself. I'm, I'm making myself a pickle cutter. What? <laughs> I said, you, you and pickle cutter been talking or what? <laughs> I have a batch of <laughs> knives being made. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I'm making myself a chef knife, an offset serrated um, bread knife, and a paring knife for the kitchen um, that I'm moving you know, into the apartment. And then I'm also working on a two sets of my personal everyday carry knives. So one of them is a nano neck knife. It's just a little, about the size of your thumb, little guy. And then your belt knife, which is about a three inch. It's a variation on the very first knife I ever made for myself. Um, but so I've got a couple of customers that are buying those as sets. So I'm actually making those right now. So um, it's been pretty productive. Uh, today I was uh, grinding away, putting in some bevels. So it's been pretty good here. I see that uh, you're using the Alabama Damascus. And so, by the way, if you want to check out what Brian's doing, you can go to his Instagram, knives, and that's K-O-H-N knives and um, or you can look at simply look at the hashtag WFI project and you'll see uh, his progress right there. He's tagging everything he's doing. So uh, I've got two questions about these uh, knives. One uh, is, do you know the handle material? Like what are you is it going to be synthetic? Is it going to be wood? What do you got going on there? Uh, so one set is going to be um, one. It's I, it's kind of funny because one is like a high end set and one of them's kind of like the the cheaper end set. So I've got one that's the Alabama Damascus with carbon fiber handles. So it's like kind of like the premium side. And then the other side, I have, I'm making a set that is um, a W2 steel with a hardwood handle. Oh, so it's it's kind oh, of a, so these cool. Are, it's cool to these see both sides. all Damascus. Okay, so these are not all Damascus because I can Correct. I see what you're saying now. I see like two two or three of them are Damascus. The other ones are are you said O one or W one? Uh, w two, W two, and okay, you, so the mono steels. I got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, are you considering? So will this be like a custom set, or, or are you considering this to be maybe like you know something that you would you would offer as a standard? Oh no, you know, so higher end or. 
so I I have um kind of a bunch of different you know styles of knives. Like the nano neck knife is pretty standard. The the belt knife that I make, the five inch chopper. Um, people will look and see those ones, and then I I'm glad to make little modifications. Uh, if people want you know a different style of handle or you know make little you know basically tailor the the knife to the the customer. So yeah um yeah i have i have standard you know shapes and whatever but you know pretty much if a customer wants a different shape i'm i'm totally down the the other question i had for you is your touch mark yes how are you achieving that are you 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 basically have like a piece of steel that you have your your name uh in on that's etched on there and then you you hit it with a hammer is that what you do yeah i actually do that um so i do my normalizing cycles um just before i do my normalizing cycle i heat it up red hot and i you know hot forge stamp it in and then after that i do my normalizing cycles and then heat treat i gotta tell you that's an art in and of itself i had a really (laughs) difficult time uh with my which is why i now own a five thousand dollar laser etcher because i could not i could not get it to look right yours Dude, are obviously I mess them up all the time <laughs> right but you can read them and and see yeah. what people don't understand is is you get one shot and that's yes. it you don't no, get more no, like one. lining it back up and no hitting it again, no right it's, yeah, oh no, I, like no, i got no, a branding actually, iron the branding iron is the same way i, I yeah, one you try. get a shot you get like a shadow with a branding iron a lot where and then depending on the species of wood it can some need to be a little hotter, some cooler. It, oh, yeah. It's a mother trucker. When I was first doing those touch marks, um, I tried to line it up and do a second one, and it, it, you totally just get a double stamp, and it looks like crap. So you get one yeah. shot, and that's it. One shot, and that's it. Now, here's what I did at towards the end. I figured it out, and, and it's a, an elaborate system, but I use a – and the, people are going to get – a little upset with the way I'm using this tool because I'm doing it the wrong way. But um, I, you, do you know what a um, an arbor press is? Yes. I was just okay. going to interrupt you and say arbor press. I've seen that happen a couple of times. Yeah. So I uh, used, uh, uh, I threaded, I drilled and tapped a hole in the uh, the quill. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, so my my stamp would like basically go up in and then I could seat it, you know, with this screw mm. and then I would heat up my steel red hot. I would bring the Arbor press quill down and then I would use a huge hammer and slam the quill. down. <laughs> onto- <laughs> And and so my how many arbor presses did you go through? <laughs> well, these are the cheap ones. Like I got, I got this. This is the reason why I took this risk. So this is a one ton arbor press. So it's small, believe it or not. The yeah. one ton is not very big. And I got it kind of for free from Grizzly. So I was like, well, I'm gonna just fuck this thing all up because it was free. Sure. So I'm gonna just you know see what I can do with it. But honestly, like I press bearings with it still and everything. But yeah, it's. Nice. It kind of looks like sloth from Goonies now because it's like it's been dropped on its head a few times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of like the way it. that I do it now because if you get a little bit of a variation, you know, it just it's a handmade product. You're going to yeah, get those yeah. little. Totally agree, dude. I agree. Yeah. And yeah. It looks cool. I love it because 
I have like some old cleavers and those old cleavers, that's how they did their touch marks. And I just think it's fascinating, even though it's yeah. not perfect. It still looks sure. good. I think it looks cool and looks handmade. So anyway, gentlemen, I am going to end the show right here. I want you to know, I appreciate you. I know you're out there working for it every single week, every single day. You are in the trenches, in your workshops, and you're doing the hard but very rewarding work that is being a maker. We appreciate everybody listening to you, the Work For It podcast. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page, workforit.podcast. You can find Ben Butler at Benjamin Butler Company. Actually, it's Benjamin Butler Co. on Instagram. And it, oh, is it company? It's a full, full, it should full be word. Co, but yeah. Yeah, really company. Long. And then you got <laughs> Brian Cone Knives at B.Cone Knives. And remember, Cone is spelled. K-O-H-N, Knives. And gentlemen, I appreciate you guys so very much. I really do. And it's always appreciate awesome hanging you, out with you every week, man. So It's a blast every time. You guys have a great week. Yeah, hey, man. You too, yeah. man. You too. All right, guys. Well, listen, we'll catch up with you next week, okay? Go See you guys. work for it. See you guys. Team Goodbye. work for it. Goodbye. Team WFI coming right at Goodbye. you. Goodbye. W-C-C-C. All right, adios. Adios. <laughs> Bye. 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 Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.